All right, if you have your Bible, turn to James chapter 3. We'll finish the chapter 3 and get right into chapter 4. And it amazes me that the Lord wants me to preach on prayer. You say, how do you know He wants you to preach on prayer? Because that's where we're at in James. If you've been here every Sunday morning, Sunday night, we're almost through the book. And this is my favorite chapter in the book of James, is James chapter 4. And I get to preach my favorite chapter this morning, so I'm excited. But I've noticed that the Sunday school classes, the adult seven Sunday school classes, seven adult classes, were teaching on prayer. I said, well, the Lord must want us to really have revival because prayer starts, or revival starts with prayer. And I believe there's one thing that our church needs to improve in more than anything else, and that's prayer. I believe there's one thing I need to do more is pray. But I think I need to do it more effectively, and that's what this message is on how to pray more effectively. If I had a title, Brother Cody, I think I would call this message, and it's going to be a series, I believe. I'll preach on it again tonight. Is the, how to have an undeniable prayer life. An undeniable prayer life. You know, the Bible promises us that we can have our prayers answered. And this is a guarantee that you can have your prayers answered if you pray this way and for this motive. And uh, I pray that you will pray. I pray that you'll pray more than you ever have before. I know all the Sunday school teachers are in conviction about their prayer life because I guarantee you none of them pray enough because I'm under conviction about my prayer life and I'm the preacher of this church because I don't pray enough and I don't see as many prayers answered. Uh, the last um, month, uh, I've been uh, uh, where I couldn't sleep. Never had that in my ministry, in my life. I've always sleep. You ask my wife, I can sleep. I can sleep while y'all preach. I can sleep while y'all sing if I, if I wanted to, if I let myself. And um, I was in camp meeting, uh, um, preaching um, Thursday, and uh, I noticed there were some people right after lunch going to sleep while I preached. I said, well, that's normal. And uh, then Brother Stenick came to me after, and he whispered to me, and he said, uh, I didn't know you could preach like that. I said, I can't. Only God can. <laughs> Amen. Gave me great liberty. But I want to tell you something, friend. Whether you're in a camp meeting after lunch, or whether you're Sunday morning, uh, bright and early, slept all night, went to bed at 9 o'clock so you'd be fresh, fresh, I mean alive, excited about the Word of God, uh, I believe our greatest need is prayer. I believe our greatest need is prayer. Let's stand in honor of the Word of God. I believe God will do more through this church if we'll pray. I want to read verse uh, 16 where I left off last week. It says, where is envy and strife is, verse 16, chapter 3 of James, let me go back up to verse 15. That's what I preached on last Sunday night. Love preaching on wisdom. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. The wisdom of strife and bitterness, vain glory, as verse 14 says. But look at verse 16, James chapter 3. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above, now that means your prayer life should have some wisdom to it. You ought to know how to pray. And how to get your prayers answered is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of the righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace, from whence cometh wars and fightings among you. Cometh they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members. Now listen very closely. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. 
You asked and received not, because you asked amiss, that it may, cons- may consume it upon your lust. In other words, we have selfish praying. I'm guilty of that. Now here's what the Bible tells about being worldly. Listen to me now. It says, Ye adulterers and adulteress, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. And no enemy of God can have their prayers answered. Look at verse 5. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. The spirit lusteth to envy. But he giveth more grace. Amen. Therefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit Yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's what I want the devil to do around me is flee. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and he shall lift you up. That's prayer. You may be seated as I pray. Father, teach us to pray. As the disciples prayed, teach us to pray. And God, help us to pray effectively. Help us to have undeniable prayer life. God, help us, dear Jesus, to realize the importance of prayer, but God, the power of prayer. And God, how you want us to pray. Lord, teach us something as you did in Sunday school. Continue to thought. Lord, the most important part of our life is our prayer life. We'll rise no higher than the level of our prayer life, spiritually. And God, there's some people that can't pray, and some people that can't get their prayers through because they're sinning their life. May you send revival in their soul so they'll realize the privilege on this earth to have a little taste of heaven heavenly wisdom, heavenly peace, heavenly power through prayer. God, we pray for laborers. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. You commanded us to pray for laborers. So God, we pray for laborers. And God, we pray that you'd make us more effective laborers for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to make this statement. I wrote it out this morning and put it, sent it to some of you. Time, a time will come if it hasn't already come in your life, when for God to answer your prayer will mean more to you than anything in the world. I'll repeat that. Time will come if it has not already come when for God to answer your prayer will mean more to you than anything in the world. I'm sad to say that a lot of us use God as emergency rations. We have to let the whole world fall apart before we start praying. We come to the end of our proverbial self, and then we start praying. Folks, prayer ought to be the heartbeat and breath of the Christian life. It's communion. We ought to not use God as emergency rations. He's daily bread. And I want to tell you something. This verse tells me that God resisteth the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And I believe one of the most prideful things you can ever do is not come to church, not read your Bible, not depend on God, and yes, not pray.
What you're saying is, God, I don't need you. I can make it on my own. I can have a marriage without you. I can raise children without you. I can be a businessman, a teacher, an educator, a philosopher, a plumber, a king, or a politician without you. And I believe in essence when we don't pray, we shake our fist at God and say, God, I'll call on you when I need you. I can take care of it until then. And let me just say this based on the authority of the Word of God. You can't take care of it until then. God will let you literally fall apart to drive you to your knees. And that's sad that we have to be driven to our knees in prayer. D.L. Moody one time was addressing a crowd of uh, little children in Scotland. In order to get their attention, he asked this question. What is prayer? He expected no answer, but scores of hands were raised, and one little boy answered quickly and precisely. And he said this. Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for the things that are agreeable to His will in the name of Christ, with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of His mercies, all for His glory. Moody was pleasantly surprised at this little boy's definition of prayer. The Bible says that prayer is communion. The Bible says it's sensing God's presence. Prayer is turning the soul to God, Psalms 25 verse 1. Prayer is loving God. Prayer is knowing God. E.M. Bounds, I went to his cemetery uh, over in Washington, Georgia when I preached a revival there several years back. And E.M. E. Bounds says this, Prayer is the channel through which all good, fl good flows to men. Prayer is the privilege, a sacred, princely privilege. Prayer is the duty and obligation most binding and most imperative which should hold us to it. But prayer is more than a privilege, more than a duty. It's an appointed condition of getting God's aid. It's the avenue through which God supplies man's needs. Amen. And I want you to know that the Bible tells us that there can be chaos and confusion in your life. Nothing peaceful about it unless we beg for God to give us wisdom. And it's pure, it's peaceful, it's gentle, it's easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And then don't stop the thought because of a chapter heading to help you find this. It says, From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in the members? You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have, you cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. If there's anything in our life that we need, we need to learn how to pray. We need to be on praying grounds. And I believe that a lot of times, and I used to be the chaplain of a, of a football team that always wanted to pray the Lord's Prayer, and I never let them. Because I said, I don't think you'll mean it. I said, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. It's not going to be some recitation. Uh, Our Father, which art in heaven, I believe in thy name, King, come, let's go kill him. You know? uh, no, that's not how you pray. That's recitation. God deliver us from the form of godliness, denying the power of. And that's when you pray and you're not praying. Say amen. I'll never forget one time I prayed when I wasn't praying. 
Matter of fact, uh, I, 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 I think I got Bootsy in the car, uh, in the house, after he'd wandered in the back 40 acres I got. I don't own them. My neighbor owns them, but I, I use them. And I was chasing that cat all over the place. I finally got the cat in the house because my girls were crying in the back seat. I'd let the cat die out there, praise God. And, or I'd have called a neighbor later and said, go find my cat. But uh, they were crying, and so I, I cared for what they cared about. But I got in the car, and, and I got halfway uh, back in the driveway, and they were still crying about Bootsy being out before we left. I mean, Amy would really laugh and Stephanie laugh because, I mean, they were just, they were just, just broken heart over that little old cat. I was too, a little bit. And um, I mean, I got that cat, I got that cat in the house, got in the car, and got halfway uh, out the driveway. It was about to hit the Sunset Drive, which is a dead end street. And uh, one of them screamed out, We ain't prayed for traveling mercies. My kids learned to pray early, praise God. Because they rode with me. Say amen, Miss Joanne, right there. Amen. They prayed early. They learned to pray er, fervently. They learned to pray with fasting when I, pray, when I drove. Amen. But I remember I said, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Let, let's pray. I bowed my head. I said, dear God, thank you for this food that we're about to eat. <laughs> I heard some snickering in the back. <laughs> Daddy's praying for the food. He, we're supposed to be praying for the driving. I want to tell you something, I was, I was praying, but I wasn't praying. I was just going through the motions. You know what really concerns me, Brother Derek? I'm afraid that some of us have got to the point where the only time we pray is before we eat. Because we don't want to be accused by our children of being heathens. And so we just throw up a flare. Prayer. Oh, God, oh, yeah, that's right. Together hands. Hallelujah. Our Father which art in heaven, bless this hamburger and these beans and this macaroni. In Jesus' name, amen. You didn't pray. I want to tell you something, friend. We don't need to pray out of guilt. And God help us. We don't need to pray out of routine, Grant. You know, it's just time to pray. Remember when I was a kid, we had youth night like these young people had a couple of weeks ago, and y'all did wonderful. Great preaching. All three messages touched my heart. But I remember me and Alfie, we was always back there in the back as ushers. And I guess we were the only two people that would ever, they would ever call on praying. And, and uh, I said, Alfie, or he'd look at me and says, is it your turn or my turn to pray? I said, I think it's yours. And we'd be sitting back there trying to figure out what we're going to say. That's, pray, that's not praying, that's speaking. Say amen. I've heard people get up in church, dear God, the God of Rehoboam and Jeroboam and all these Boam boys, we ask you to cut that junk out. God ain't impressed with your vocabulary and your elegance. He just wants you to talk to Him, say amen. But folks, how do we talk to Him? How do we get our prayers out? This is one of the greatest chapters in the Word of God to tell you how to get on praying ground, how to stay on praying ground, and how to have prayers answered. I'm interested in this. And folks, we need to realize, number one, and write it down, the presumption of an unoffered prayer. In verses 1 and 2, it says, From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? We can't even get along with our mates half the time. Now don't look at me with sanctimonious with your little halo. I guarantee you some of you had a knockdown drag out on the way to Sunday school and you came in singing, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how... And the kids looked up and said, Good night. This building must transform their lives. They, 
They were fussing all the way to the church over the lost sock. And now, praise God, they come in smiling and greeting people. That's hypocrisy. But I've been guilty of it. <laughs> That's why I come about an hour and a half early saying I've got to wait for the buses to break down because I ain't going to get in no fight right before I preach. Amen. Not that my wife fights. I just fuss it myself. But anyway, uh, <laughs> unoffered prayers. It's pathetic. I'm going to tell you why it's pathetic. Because we're self-sufficient when we don't pray. I mean pray every moment. I'm going to tell you something, friend. I mean come to church to learn how to pray. I mean make the house of God the house of prayer. That's what the Bible said. It didn't say a house of preaching. It said a house of prayer. And certainly it's not a house of feasting. And it's not a house of games. It's a house of recreation. I have people call me all the time and say, what do you have to offer our youth as far as a youth program? I said, well, praise God, what we do is we send them on the mission field. We teach them to soul women. We teach them to pray. We have old-fashioned, fundamental, uh, uh, sin, hate, and preaching. That's what we have to offer, lady. And I don't say that. I'll go through the whole motion. Well, we got 17 classes and 14 things on Wednesday night and you know praise God you ought to come and it's almost like you're trying to sell the church to somebody folks I'll tell you what if we could come to this place and just learn to pray it'd be worth it all come on say amen we're always looking for something I can get and what I can enjoy that's what the contemporary movement's about I shouldn't have put that on Facebook I apologize for it guys jumping up with JSU look like a bunch of heathens jumping up to rock and roll music and I said, I'll stay with amazing grace and what a friend we have in Jesus. No, I think I should have put it up. Because we ain't going that direction. Because I'm going to tell you something, that's a selfish crowd that want to come get entertained. We don't need to be entertained. We need intercession. Maybe we need to get broken. Maybe we need to be quietened in our spirits. Maybe we need to be humble. Maybe we need to come to the old-fashioned altar before the preaching's over. Maybe we just need to come humbly. I'm not saying we don't have joy, and I'm not saying that we don't have exuberance. And I'm, I'm, Listen, I'm enthusiastic as I've ever been, and I'm 66 years old, and praise God, I'm going to tell you something. I hope I stay enthusiastic if God puts me in the nursing home. Then I hope I rock on the front porch singing Amazing Grace. Hallelujah. I might think I'm in a rocket ship or something, but praise God, I'll know I'm going to heaven. Say amen. That's right. Praise God. God wants to bless us. Can somebody say amen right there? He wants to give us what we need, not what we want. And we're presumptuous, and we are proud if we don't pray. That's what verse 1 says. Fighting, warring, scheming, planning, hating, killing, and I like this old word, conniving, manipulating, maneuvering, trying to get our strength from what we can do and what we can be. Folks, this ain't no business proposition here. This is a life with Christ. We begin to seek God and we'll know peace. The peace of this last few verses, the wisdom that comes down from above bringeth peace. Let me say this. If God answers your prayer, there's no greater joy. And there is no greater peace when God answers your prayer. I mean, a real prayer. God wants to bless us, 
And He chooses to bless us through prayer. Some people are so intellectual. They say, well, why should we pray? God knows our need anyway, and He's going to give it to us. Because He said to. But also because prayer puts us on praying ground. Our Father, which art in heaven, means you to be, need to be His child. Thy will be done means you need to be submissive. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That means you need to be looking for His coming. And so folks, it's not words that get the answer. It's the prayer's heart that gets the answer. Strength through prayer is not, it's not until we pray that God moves into action. Prayer links us to the life of God. That's awesome. Not only use that word too loosely. The man that preached Tuesday night, Brother Milton Taylor, has had five nervous breakdowns. He was so nervous Tuesday that he, he told somebody that I respect and love and they told me to encourage him that he thought he failed Tuesday. He didn't fail. He preached the Word of God. But I want to tell you something, folks. You don't know the warfare that goes on when you try to stand and do something for God all the years this man and he prays all night before he preaches. He's wore out. He's just, he's just he can't hear. His ear, hearing aids just kept ringing uh, Tuesday night. But I want to tell you something. There was no more powerful message than that man delivered because he prayed. He wasn't eloquent. He didn't tell jokes. He didn't entertain us. He wasn't the top orator of our age. He was just an old man of God that prayed. And then after he preached, he thought he failed. But I don't think he failed because some of you got it. You're not in the flesh this morning. Thou shalt sweep the floor. You're not going around trying to keep the law. It says, thou shalt will sleep the floor together. Amen. You say, oh, I didn't get that illustration. Well, you didn't listen. But I'm just, telling, I'm just giving an illustration. One time a little boy was trying to move a huge stone. His little muscles were bulging. There was perspiration dripping from his face. He was biting his tongue trying to move that stone. His father was watching the whole time. And finally he said to the boy, Son, are you using all of your strength? He said, Yes, Daddy, I'm using all of my strength. Then his father replied, No, you're not. You haven't asked me to help. That's us. We'll do everything we can and then we'll decide as emergency rations, flare prayer, middle of the intersection. We see two lady drivers about to hit us. And we scream out, God, help me! Well, why don't you pray before you get in the car and while you're in the car and before you bought the car? And praise Him that, it, that the car cranked. But see, we're, we're sometimes urgent prayers. We wait till we get in a mess and all chaos is happening and then we pray. I tell you, I, I think tribulation teaches us the need to pray. But folks, I believe a lot of things could be hemmed in and not come unraveled if we'd pray. I'd like to ask you a question. Do you have a time that you pray every day? And let me ask you another personal question. Do you have a place of prayer? We got a place of TV. Praise God, I got a place to eat. I got this long table. If my wife fills it up, I'll try to fulfill that mission. I'll eat for everybody else if they don't show up. It's a place to eat. 
It's a place to watch the Georgia Bulldogs win another ball game. It's a place here and a place there in my house. It's a place to study. It's a place to figure the bills out. It's a place to do this. It's a place to drive. Do you have a place of prayer? And I am really convinced if you do not have a time and place of prayer, you don't pray. Except, Lord bless His food while I drive. <laughs> or, Lord bless His food. God is good. God is great. Thank you for this food. And we try to catch up on our praying. I can't stand for somebody to be a long-winded prayer warrior when I'm, when I'm about to eat. They say, oh, God bless the independent Baptist movement and all the missionaries. I want to say, we ain't eating the missionaries. Let's just eat. <laughs> but you know what? Most people are trying to catch up at the table. I ain't prayed all day, so dear God, I'm going to throw up 25-minute prayer, and everybody's going to get mad at me because I'm praying, and the food's getting cold. That's funny, but it's, it's pitiful. It's pitiful in my life. It's pitiful in your life. We all do it. Say amen. That's why I think God wants us to dwell on this prayer life a little today. And I like this chapter. It's blessings through prayer. Heaven could be full of blessings that are spoiled, rusty, and mildewed because you didn't ask. He's waiting to bless you. By the way, let me just say this. He wants to bless you a lot more than you want to be blessed because when He blesses you, He gets the glory. And that's the whole motive of prayer. Let me just say this, folks. It's a sin not to pray. I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, and every one of you teachers probably read this, but I'm going to read it again in context. Maybe you didn't cover the context of it. Not that saying you should have or didn't or whatever. But I want you to look at 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. It says, Moreover, as for me. That's a key phrase right there. As for me. Samuel was going through a terrible rejection. Instead of being a theocracy, Israel wanted to be have a king like everybody else. <laughs> won't be like everybody else. Everybody else has got a big, tall, handsome king. I want one. And so what he, he did, he got rejected as their leader. He could have got bitter. But look at this. It says, God, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you, but I will, te- I will teach you the good and right way. He says, God forbid. And then look at verse 19. The last phrase, is, it says, um, Unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. So see, they wanted a king after their heart. They wanted a manly king. They want, and they got him too. They got him. He's about as evil and wicked as they come. They got him, and they rejected God. It says, and then it said in verse 20, But Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Then verse 22 says, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because he hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. His people. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's a sin not to pray for those that hurt you. Mm. That convicted me right there. Because most of us want to pray like this. Lord, just go ahead and kill them because they deserve it. (laughs) Come on, say amen. You know, or, or break two of their legs anyway. Bless God. In the name of Jesus, amen. 
The Bible says that Samuel said, I, I think I'm sinning. You rejected me. Got a young preacher called me up Wednesday and counseled the tri-state preachers. I'm the moderator. And I had the meeting at his church and two of his heroes, Brother Ernest Gross and Brother Bud Martin was going to preach for me. He says, I got to counsel the meeting preacher. He said, they're trying to run me off. They set up an elder rule and it only takes two out of three elders. And two of them's already wrote me an email saying that I'm too old-fashioned for them. They don't like faith promise that you preached about. He's blaming it on me. Praise God, it's all right. And they're, they're going to they're probably kick me out Sunday. Don't have a house, don't have a home. And I told him, I said, brother, be sure to pray for him. And see, folks, all that junk goes on churches. I thank God we're together. I thank God I don't have to face being fired this morning. Deacons talking behind my back, gossiping, women, tongues so long it wouldn't fit on this altar. I'm glad we don't have that. Come on, say amen. You know the truth. Churches are full of that junk. And then they wonder why God's not moving. Why prayers are not answered. Why God's not giving them more members. Who'd want to join that? So where's wars and rumors among you? Where's fighting and maneuvering and manipulating? I'll tell you where it is. It's where a church is not praying and asking God to, to make Himself known and crowning that church as a theocracy, not a democracy, that God's in charge. That God overrules. That God leads His man. That God leads His ladies. That God leads the church. It's His church. Take your hands off of it. That's what I'd like to call up there and tell those elders. Ruling elders. Don't get me started on that now. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Luke 18, 1 says, Men ought to always pray and not faint. We've got a lot of fainting Christians going on. There ain't no circulation. There's no blood flowing. The Bible says in Mark 14, 38, Watch and pray lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Truly is willing, but the flesh is weak. I don't believe there's any vile or hideous sin in anyone's life that cannot properly be prevented through prayer and watching. Watching and praying. I mean, these people have fallen into adultery. You think they prayed about it? These people that leave their children and they wonder why daddy's not with mom. You think they prayed about it? You think they were on praying ground? Little, the little thing says, uh, family that prays together stays together. That's a cute little saying, but it is true. These churches are split splatter and go down the road and start another one. You think they prayed together? You think they had a full house on the prayer meeting like we do at 545? That's at least people are not attending. We have a cookout or a, a meal and the place is packed. Have a prayer meeting, a few people show up. See, prayer will make a man cease from sin or sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. Prayerlessness is a sin. And some of us need to repent. I think I need to repent. I'm a hyperactive person. I like to plan and like to get with it. I like to 
I like to get in the motions of it. And sometimes I can rush into the study and not pray. We can never do more than pray and after, until after we pray, but we cannot do more than pray until we have prayed. Now let me close or introduce tonight's message in about ten minutes. There's a problem of unoffered prayer, but there's also a problem, and we didn't cover this in Sunday school, and I'm, I'm, so, I'm sort, of, sort of glad you didn't have time so I'd have something new to preach. Of un, number two, the problem of unacceptable prayer. A lot of us pray a lot, but we're not getting our prayers answered. Something's wrong. Look at verse 3. You asked and received not. You ask, you're praying, you're praying. We have prayer. You're at every prayer meeting we have. It says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. You adulterers and adulterers. That's strong language, Brother James. Know ye not that your friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Then he says, okay, there's unoffered prayer, and you know we don't pray enough. But I know some people pray all the time and don't get their prayers answered. I know a lot of times God doesn't answer my prayers like I want it to be answered. I've even almost got mad at God for not answering my prayer. Have you ever been that carnal? Or maybe that confused? I didn't know why God wouldn't answer that prayer. The problem here is not that we don't pray. It's sometimes we offer prayer which God cannot hear or accept. Number one, it's wrong motivation. We're not asking for the glory of God. We're really not. We're asking it that we might consume it upon our own lust. I hate to be this trite because it's going to offend some of you, sure as the world, but I'm not here, I'm not running for any political office, so I don't have to be politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. But I believe that some of us, I said us, are sometimes guilty of using God as a grocery boy. Lord, I want this, this, and this. I want you to wrap this up, and I don't want you to break the eggs, please. And I want you to put it in the basket, and I want you to take it to my car now. I will tip you. I will go to church tonight if you'll just do this. In Jesus' name and for His sake and all for His glory. Amen! But you're not really praying that way. You're praying for what you want. God enlarges your scope and enlarges your, your perspective. You see God's glory. And then you pray for God's glory. And sometimes you can't understand why all this junk is happening until years down the line when somebody got saved through all the stuff you was going through and God didn't answer that prayer immediately. And, they, and the Lord was glorified through brokenness. And the Lord was glorified through, through a, a, a person that was bowed down, not jumping pews. Because he hurt so bad. See folks, God does not subsidize our sin. He will not underwrite our selfishness. Can somebody say, that's what these verses say. We lust and have not, we kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. We fight and war because we ask not. But then it says, you asked. But when you ask and you ask amiss, 
that you might consume it upon your own lust. God is not a grocery boy. He owns the grocery store. And what you are is the grocery boy. And what you ought to ask is, God, fill my cart, Lord, that I might give it to somebody else. It's not fill my cup. It's, you, you should be a river, a river of God's flow, and you ought to be a conduit from the upper pool. You ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And friend, you ought to be clean and clear, not double-minded, have faith. And I'm going to tell you something. When you pray, God's going to get the glory, whether He answers it now or answers it later or answers the way you want it to be answered. Wrong motivation. And so wait a minute. The Bible says if you are guard iniquity in your heart, he will not hear you. Psalm 66, 18. You cannot throw up a flare prayer when you're living in sin. That's what the Bible says. When you're adulterous or adulterer, and that doesn't have anything to do with physical. That's spiritual adultery. That you love the world more than you love God. That you love yourself more than you love God, and then all of a sudden you get in a crisis and you throw up a flare prayer. Oh, God, help me! He won't. Because He can't. He can't subsidize your sinfulness. He cannot underwrite your lustfulness. And so we have lustful praying. Look at verse 4. You adulterers and adulterers, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Don't you love James? I mean, he's just about blunt 30 on growing up. Just growing up. And folks, I want to tell you something. There's nothing more futile than praying when you're not praying. There's nothing more futile than praying and never getting your prayers answered. I mean, I've seen people quit the church and they almost said, well, God didn't answer my prayer. God killed my baby. I'm not coming back. I've had, I had a person say that to me. God killed my daddy. I'm not coming back. I want to step back because I said, oh, Lord. Folks, we need to ask God to be glorified through the answer. And that's the only motive for praying. And folks, just as a bride should be pure and separate and give herself to her groom, don't you think we as Christians, we're the bride of listen, we're the bride of Christ. So don't you think we ought to be pure and faithful and loving? I'm gonna give you another illustration that might bring it to home. After that broom and raincoat and everything, I thought, boy, that really was clear. So I want to give you one. I don't have a broom. I don't. Thou shalt mop the kitchen. I can't got that. But I got this. You know what the problem is? You're the bride. But there's a conniving, perverted, adulterous man after the bride. I don't think there's anything more wicked than a man going after a married woman. Say amen. Woo! I've seen it. I've felt the hurt. I've notified the kids in the custody case. I've had to go to court. As they bargain the kids off. Because one young lady was lured by a conniving, adulterous, wicked, perverted man that says, I'm not satisfied with dating a single girl. 
I'm not satisfied. Even if I'm married, I'm going after another man's wife. What do you think about that? I think it's wicked. But I'm going to tell you something. Just as wicked, the Bible says, is when we're married to Christ, we're His bride, and we love the world more than we love God. You adulterers and adulterers. You're an enemy of God. And it says in verse 5, Do ye think that the Scriptures say the vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy? That's saying, hey, He desires you to bring glory to God. He desires you to crown Him as Lord. The Spirit of God is your reminder of who you're married to. You're not your own. The Bible says that when we turn from Jesus and become friends with the world, that we commit spiritual adultery. Let me give you an illustration I'll close. Tonight, please come back. I hadn't even got my four points in my poem yet. Listen to me now. Don't be distracted. Don't, come back here. Don't be distracted. Let me put it plainly. Suppose there was a fine man named John, and he marries a young lady. She stands at, they stand at the altar, and they recite some vows. And one of the vows is to death do us part, so help me God. I hadn't took that out of, my, out of the vows, by the way. One guy asked me, he says, where's the vows in the Bible? I said, they ain't in the Bible. But praise God, the principles are. And then, the, then, then but so is John's wife falls in love with a man named Bill. Excuse me, all you Bills. All the Bill, named Bill. She and Bill begins to live in an adulterous relationship. And John knows about it. The husband. I mean, they're just newlyweds. I've only been married six months. Imagine her coming to John now and saying, Honey, I have some things I need. I would, I, I, would you please give me some money? And, 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 and John, would you please give me the car, the keys to the car, and the car? Because Bill and I are going to Atlanta for a weekend. You think John, for a second, is going to subsidize the adulterous affair of his wife and underwrite her sign? No, she's going to say, of course not. And this is what I'm trying to get across here, and I think James is saying it clearer than I could say it. If you're a friend with the world, and you come to God, and you ask Him to answer your prayer, and you're, in the, you're committing spiritual adultery, in other words, you're in this world for you, and for what you can get out of it. The Bible says you asked a mist, that you might consume it upon your lust. And you asked... And receive not. So I'm going to close right here. And I'm going to ask you this question. Are you on praying ground? I mean, do you love God more than you love yourself? If not, you can't have your prayers answered, according to this. Hey! Do you love God more than you do things in this world? If you do, you can't have your prayers answered. And so, folks, it's not the wording, and it's not the length, and it's not the loudness. It's not the time. It's not even the place. It's the heart posture that counts. When you come to Him and say, Lord, number one, I'm coming to you because I can't handle it. Friend, friend of mine, have you ever been through something you couldn't handle? 
I mean, something that just knocked the wind out of you. And if you have it, let me just warn you in these last days, you will. Sometimes I'll stay up, I haven't been able to sleep last month, but I'll get about 3 o'clock every morning. And I try to put myself in another brother who's going through some, a terrible time. I try to put myself in their place. And I'll find myself slipping out of the bed, just doubled over saying, Oh God, if that was me. Oh God, if that was me. And folks, that's why you ought to pray. You ought to bear others' burdens and have compassion and put yourself in their place. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. If you ain't careful... One day you're going to desperately need to pray. It might be in the emergency room. It might be in the divorce court. It might be after a doctor calls you and gives you the worst news that you ever heard. A fellow was in my house doing an evaluation. He was going to redo our bathroom and put some tile up and began to tear up a little bit. And he said, Preacher, my wife has this. We never expected her to have this terminal disease. Would you please pray for her? So we never expected. We, were, we had everything together. My business is booming. Trucks are in the parking lot. My campers are in the parking lot. My children are healthy. And my wife is dying. You might not think you need to pray, but one day you might need to pray. And when you do need to pray, it'd be best for you not have to go five or six weeks trying to get right with God and get back in church so you can get on praying ground. You need to live every day for His glory and His honor. And by the way, if you never have to go through a horrible time like that, you ought to pray for what He's done in your life. i got a dear friend right now his stent collapsed. He's 10 years younger than me. He's a pastor of a church. And he's sitting, he's laying in a hospital on an on a induced coma on a ventilator because that stent collapsed. The man's stent that opened his heart collapsed. And he had a major heart attack. And he's not in Jefferson, Georgia preaching from the pulpit this morning. He's laying there in a coma. And he can't move and his dear wife can't leave his side. And his daughter emailed me, begging me, begging me to pray for daddy. And I get up with hurting feet and think I can't show up. I have a sinus headache and think I can't come to church. I'm just saying, friend, listen. You better learn to pray. And while you're at it, why don't you just learn to praise Him? Because He has blessed you so very much. And there's two reasons we don't have our prayers answered. Unoffered and unacceptable. I'll cover the next three reasons it's unacceptable tonight. Let's pray. Father, I'm preaching to myself. I'm so convicted, I feel like I ought to be the first one at the altar.
I don't even think we ought to have a song. Just fall on our face and say, Oh God, it's me, Lord. Guilty of praying selfish prayers. Or guilty of not praying. Or guilty of having a bitterness in my life or vainglory in my life or some sin and secret sin in my life and I can't even pray for my dear wife. Oh God, oh God help us not to pray to consume it upon our own lust. God help us not to commit spiritual adultery by loving the world and the things of the world more than you and even in our prayer list we start praying for everything that we want instead of what you need to bring glory through our life. God, if it was up to me, I'd pray for sunshiny days every day, but God, you know I need the storms. God, you know I need the cloudy days. God, you know I need some hurting. You know I need some brokenness. God, you know I don't like it. I don't even want to pray for it. But God, I will pray for this, grace to bear it. God, we want to thank you for your grace. You might not choose to perform the miracle at the time we want it. But God, you're always giving us grace to keep praying, to stay in church, to not commit spiritual adultery and go to the world, the devil and the flesh. God, teach us to pray.